Okay, welcome to Vicious Talk with Benny P, episode 55 here underway. Connor and I back here to do our weekly picks. Welcome back, buddy. Hey, what's poppin', Benny? What's poppin', Connor? Dude, we are making some crazy sacrifice to try to do this podcast for our listeners this week, man. Um, Connor's on his his little friend vacation for the weekend. He barely got any sleep this morning. Um, And I kind of threw him for a loop because... We, we were planning on doing the podcast yesterday, Friday um, after Friday morning or so. And we ended up having to push that back because my, my dog passed away and um, it wasn't it wasn't a good situation. And so, I mean, nobody loves lo- losing their dogs and it's it's tough to say goodbye to your, your fur friends, you know. And, and so it um, it was a tough, tough day for our family. And so uh, I was I was appreciative. Connor kind of waiting for me to do this this morning. And man, he's he's a little what dreary eyed and he's got the, he's got some boogers down his nose and he's oh, geez. <laughs> I'm, just I'm just kidding i'm just kidding no but connor thank you so much for for doing this for me this morning man dude of course i mean you know having having a dog pass away is like losing a member of your family so i mean totally totally yeah it sucks we had that guy we had cub for a little bit over 15 years, almost 16 years. So he, he lived a long, a long life for a dog. And so we were, we were glad that we had him for as long as we did. He, uh, he lived a nice long life and he brought a lot of happiness to a bunch of us. And then he was just such a friendly dude. And it's tough to see someone who's just like a being that's just so purely just wants to be, make the people around him happy. That's what sucks most about losing your dog. Cause it's like so many, so many dogs, just their purpose in life is to just like, kind of, you know, just be, make their owners happy, make the people that they come into, into contact with, make them joyful. And, you know, and, and when they, when they really just can't carry on anymore and they got to lay down and, and, and pass away, like it's, it's not easy. You know, it's just, there's no, there's not a bad bone in their body. They have nothing wicked in, inside of them. It's just such like we, in a, in a world today that doesn't exist, you know, cause just so many people in today's world just have so much alternative motives and, and wickedness inside of them sometimes and, and selfishness and dogs just have none of that. And it's just, it's, it's, it's enviable for humans. And so we could all kind of learn lessons from dogs that way, you know, but um, we uh, we're going to carry on and, and, and I'm happy that I had my uh, cub for a while and we're going to try to rely on the notes here for a good podcast and a week 15 preview. Yeah, both of us stretched a little thin, but you know, football still is happening still, this week. It's still going. The machine still rolls, so we, we gotta we gotta get going a little bit. Um, There's still money to be made. Yeah. So talking about some Week 15 matchups. So interesting enough, there's only one game on the docket this week that has two teams with winning records. That's New Orleans and Kansas City. We'll get to that briefly earlier. I mean later. Um, but so basically, my question to kind of consider keeping the back of your mind going forward while we discuss these games is which underdog team, if any, and I believe there will be at least one multiple teams, underdog teams, which ones will upset this week? So there are teams that there's in every matchup, you're going to see a team with a winning record and a team with a losing record, except for that new Orleans, Kansas city game. So which underdog team? So there, there will be an underdog team or two this week that win. Who will they be? And we will try to decipher and we'll try to figure out which ones that um, people will want to at least uh, count on to cover the spread because that leads me into my initial point here. We're looking at major trend lines. We're in week 15. We got a lot of data under the belt. Now we could base some assumptions on a decent amount of, um, 
occurrences that have happened this season and we could make some inferences based on the data that we have for 2020 and that's the mean that there's no data that's going to be more indicative of these next coming weeks more so than weeks one through 14. so let's base our interpretations mostly on what we've seen so far this season and what i've seen is we've seen away road dogs cover against the spread 56.59 percent of the time and that number's kind of been there all season they're, they're 73 and 56 against the spread road road dogs so the, the teams that are going on the road and are and the the underdogs they've covered almost 57 percent of the time home favorites on the other hand have covered against the spread just 43.4 percent of the time so the home teams that are laying points are covering just 43.4% of the time. What does that tell you? Well, possibly that home field advantage is being too much, too reflected in the lines throughout the, throughout the season. But I do believe that that number has come down over, over the, over the few last few weeks or so. I mean, I believe home field advantage is no more. It can't be any more than one point at this point in the season. Like there, the Vegas is not adjusting lines more than a point. Maybe at tops point and a half. If there are fans, there are some fields that are allowing fans. I'm sure that, lines aren't getting reflected in the home field advantage more so than that. But also underdogs in general have hit 56.0% of the time against the spread this year, 117 point 117 and 92 against the spread, just underdogs. So that tells you there's going to be underdogs every week that hit against the spread. And so you're, and those are the ones that you can make the most money on. And Make sure that you keep that in the back of your mind when we go through these games that which teams do you think are going to cover against the spread unlike that you don't expect, you don't, it's, it's, it's not expected. So with that said, let's dive into the Saturday matchups, Connor. We got Saturday football. So that's where we're trying to record this Saturday morning. First, first Saturday games of the year. So the first game here on the docket, Buffalo at Denver. In Denver, Buffalo's lane six points as the favorite. The over-under total 49 and a half. Connor, you said you, you were on Buffalo in this game. So tell me your thoughts. Yeah, first of all, so excited that we get football on a Saturday. It yeah. sucks to be out of the fantasy football playoffs and to know that you're in the playoffs. <laughs> um, but I will be rooting for you. Definitely want somebody from you know ATA to be right there in the championship taking home the money. So proud of you for turning around a tough season, you know, eighth seed. I was came in sixth seed and you took away the number one seed first time. Love that. (laughs) I, I am on Buffalo. Absolutely. Just like your team is on fire right now. Buffalo is crushing it. I mean, Josh teams in the NFL. Yeah. Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs have looked incredible the past few games. They've looked incredible all season, but Josh Allen has, is kind of an up and down quarterback, but he's definitely on one of those hot streaks right now. Um, and yeah, we have in our show notes, Buffalo's 5-0 against the spread in the last five games. They're putting up large point totals. Their defense actually looked stingier last game, which I was impressed by. So yeah, I'm going to ride the hot streak too. At, at minus six, I think there's um, plenty of meat on the bone still. Definitely. I, look, Buffalo's one of the hottest teams in the NFL. You can't go wrong trying to get into their corner. Um, Buffalo, seventh in DVOA, six and one straight up over their last seven beat Pittsburgh in a big win last week, 26 to 15. They lost to their only game. They lost over the last seven was to Arizona on the hail Mary. So they could very well be seven and zero over the last seven Denver's 28th in DVOA. So they're not looking so hot. They're two and four over the last six. They only beat Carolina 20, 32 to 27 last week. 
Buffalo, like you said, 5-0 and against the spread over the last five games. They're also 5-0 and against the spread in the last five games against Denver. Um, but those games aren't super indicative. They date back all the way to 2008. So 2019, 2017, 2014, 2011, and then 2008. Those are the last five times that Denver and Buffalo faced each other. Um, but here's the thing to keep in mind. Um, this is why I'm going to take Denver plus six on this matchup because Denver's games have gone under in four of the last five, the last five games. And they've gone under in five of Denver's last seven games at home. So an under and an, an a cor- could be correlated with a Denver cover here, plus six. So I'm going to take Denver plus six and the under on 49 and a half points. Buffalo tr- going to Denver, playing at altitude, short rest on four. They've traveled about 1400 miles of travel um, going to Tampa, uh, Tampa Bay or, and I'm sorry. Um, they were in what? Um, they were in Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. They were in LA or they, they've been traveling a lot. I can't remember the last few games, um, but Buffalo coming off a lot of travel, playing at altitude on short rest. This is going to be the third game of short rest in a row. Locke coming off one of the best games of his, uh, this was the this last game was the best game of his season. He uh, had an 87 QBR as tops of the year. Denver is, Look, you can talk about at this point of the season, we also like to look at which teams are motivated, which teams are giving up. Look, Denver's still got to be motivated because they're playing for their jobs. Locke might not be a starting quarterback next season. John Elway, the GM for the uh, Denver Broncos, he needs wins because he might not be back next year. So this team needs good performances to finish out the season to at least keep their jobs. I don't think they're tanking to try to get a, a higher draft pick in, in these in these matchups. And so I like their opportunity for a cover. Melvin Gordon looks like he's going to play. He's been running well. He's been a big part of that offense. He, he was question, He's questionable, um, but he has a shoulder injury. It looks like he's going to play. Um, but he's, he's going to be crucial for Denver's offense for sure. I, th- I just think that this is a tough spot for Buffalo. It's not, it's not an easy matchup. Uh, Denver can be a little bit underrated based on some of the – misfortunes they've had over the last few weeks, especially with the COVID situation on the quarterbacks. Um, they've, they've been a competitive team. A lot of people kind of don't get, they kind of shortchange them. I feel like Denver keep, they're staying in a lot of games. They're playing well on offense a little bit lately. Um, I don't know. I just have a feeling Denver is going to be able to keep this close. I think Buffalo is going to come out a little flat and I think Denver can cover that plus six uh, point spread. Um, let's roll into the next Saturday, Saturday matchup then Carolina at green Bay. Green Bay is the favorite laying nine points about I've seen in this line at eight and a half or nine or so um, point over under point total 51.5 Carolina 17th in DVOA. They're one in seven over the last eight, really sliding now to finish the season, kind of crawling to the finish line. They lost to Denver. Like I said earlier, uh, thir- 27 to 32 last week, their only win um, over the last seven was to Detroit. So not exactly one that you could hang your cat, your cap on green Bay, sixth and DB away five and one over the last six. They beat Detroit 31 to 24 last week. Um, the only loss over the last six was an overtime loss to Indianapolis. So that was, a, that was a tough one for them. Um, my thoughts here is Green Bay's offense has just been unstoppable. Um, I think this is a great matchup for all Green Bay Packers on fantasy football. Um, Carolina's look, I like, I actually like Matt rule and I think they have a decent kind of formula for success eventually in the future for Carolina. I just don't think this season they've defeat, they've been defeated this year. They they're one of the teams that is tough to figure out if they would be motivated 
for these games. It doesn't it really seem like they have a lot to play for at this point in the year. It's tough when they lost Christian McCaffrey. You know, yeah. you, you see them being close in some of these games, and Bridgewater's looked frisky. So you kind of just you don't. The have offense that. keeps. Yeah, I mean, you you see the offense doing frisky things. We see we see flashes that those wide receivers are talented. So I think there's a lot of hope in Carolina uh, for next year. You know, I think that's why they're shutting down McCaffrey specifically. If they did have something to play for, he would be active. Um, Seems that so way. Yeah, I agree that Carolina's kind of just like, okay, let's yeah. you know keep the offense moving, let's look good, but the emphasis is clearly on next season, not this year anymore. Yeah, a nine-point cover for Green Bay is not easy, but that offense, man, it's just been so lethal lately that I don't know how you, I don't know how you don't lean green bay here if you have to take a pick um well i'll give you the case um i i am not going to bet on carolina or green bay either way i i would prefer just you tease it into a, a money line spread um but minus nine is, is is a really big line and although carolina is one and seven over the last day if you look at the game logs and the t- teams they played um they lost to the saints by three they lost to the Falcons by eight, I believe. Then they lost to the Chiefs by two. They got doubled by the Bucks, but then they lost to the Vikings only by one. And then they lost to the Broncos by five, as well as beating the Lions. So really only one of those games was a blowout where this cover would have would have actually been all right. So I tend to lean, especially if it, when two of those games were against the Saints and Chiefs, um, being only a two and three point loss, I tend to lean the under um, yeah. in Carolina as well. I think I think their offense is good enough um, to keep the game close enough. Um, actually, I say I would take the under. I mean, there's a reason this has a high point total. I, I wouldn't even touch that because I, well, I think, think yeah, I, I think if Carolina. If Carolina covers this game, it's kind of correlated to the over because Green Bay yeah. is going to get their points. They're not. Yeah. They're going to. They're going to score at least like twenty four points or so, uh, maybe twenty, maybe up to like thirty points uh, if their offense plays well. So, yeah, Green Bay is going to get their points, and so it, the question is whether or not you think Carolina's offense is going to be able to keep up. Green Bay's defense has been their their weakness this year. I mean, that's the that's the question mark for Green Bay whether or not they could come out of the NFC really. Uh, mm-hmm. The offense is I mean, Aaron Rodgers has been incredible. He's playing better than he's ever has um, at this point in his career. And you're right. I mean, Carolina could very well cover this. I mean, they're five and zero against the spread in their last five five games on the road this year. Five and zero against the spread in the last five road games. Yeah, yeah. Teddy, Teddy covers. Yeah, but Green Bay is eleven and eleven and one straight up in its last twelve home games. So they. Don't like you said the money line might be the play here. Maybe a, you could tease Green Bay to, to minus three or so. Um, that might be the play. Um, but the nine the nine point spread is kind of a stay away for me. Kind of to, that that was what kind of turned me off here. I, I think that if you if you had to choose it at the minus nine line, I mean maybe you have a point. I mean maybe you could lean Carolina just for because just for the sheer amount of points that is. Uh, that's not yeah, easy to cover. You're gonna do it to get enough value. You do t- you. Try to pick the Carolina in the over, and that way you get enough of of the value there. Otherwise, I mean, Green Bay, you're you're right. Green Bay is really hot, so the over should hit. Yeah, and, and the the overs have hit in seven of the last eight games between these two teams. So yeah, these two teams know how to score points. I, I think that we, we could see some fireworks in this game if Carolina's offense could keep up with them. Okay, that's gonna do it for Saturday's matchups. Um, I, I'm excited to watch a little bit of Saturday football, like you said. It'll be fun. But let's roll into a little bit of Sunday. Um, the first matchup on Sunday we got here, Tampa Bay at, at, at Atlanta. Tampa Bay is the favorite, laying six points. 
point, the over under point total is 50.5 points. Uh, Tampa Bay second in DVOA. Tampa Bay gets ranked high in these advanced stats. And I think that what that, what, what I see with Tampa Bay is the variance, man. Week to week, they're just not the same team. And what does that tell you? I mean, for me, it feels like they have a lot of inner turmoil that we don't even know about. We already hear about the Bruce Arians and Tom Brady kind of confrontations and the friction between those two, but maybe there's honestly more stuff under the surface that we don't know about yet. Uh, because it feels like this just this team isn't the same week to week. Um, Tampa Bay second in DVOA, three and three straight up over the last six. They beat Minnesota twenty six to fourteen last week. Atlanta nineteenth in DVOA, three and three over the last six as well. They lost to the Chargers last week in a close game seventeen to twenty. They have uh, the last three wins were against Vegas, Denver, and Carolina. So t- Atlanta not really beating the best teams this season. Um, and Atlanta, another team also that's very inconsistent week to week, a team that could really, I mean, they could blow out the Raiders 46 to six or whatever that was. And then they could get blown out themselves. I mean, Atlanta week to week has been really inconsistent in that same vein. And um, Tampa Bay, they're one and four against the teams they face this season that are currently over 500. So Tampa Bay is not beating the good teams this year either. They're, uh, they're, they're teams that they faced over 500. New Orleans, they lost to them twice. The Rams, they lost to them. Chiefs, they lost to them. The only win that they had was the, to Green Bay on that um, that weird game that they had against Green Bay where Green Bay just basically had nothing to, to, to stop Tampa Bay that one. Um, but my thoughts here is, is I feel like the Atlanta, Atlanta might be an underdog that covers this week, uh, plus six. I just feel like that point spread might be a little bit too much for Tampa Bay. They don't necessarily, they haven't really had a lot of convincing wins where they won by a, a, a lot, a lot of points this year. They haven't really blown out a lot of teams. Um, they're, uh, there's seven of the last eight games we do between these two teams. This is why I kind of like the over on the point total. Seven of the last eight have gone over between the, between Tampa Bay and Atlanta, Atlanta is six and one straight up in their last seven games against Tampa Bay. So Atlanta's won this matchup in recent history. Um, and like I said, the Bruce Arians Brady conflict seems to be coming to a head at this point in the season. I mean, we, we're hearing about, I mean, Bruce Arians doesn't say the right things at the end of the game. He doesn't say like, I really trust Brady and I'm, a, I'm really going to, play to his strengths and he always like we could do what we want we could run the ball we could you know he's like trying to keep all of his cards open it's like dude just you have the best quarterback of all time let him let him cook you know let him you have the best quarterback of all time and you have three of the top i mean top 10 talents at wide receiver i would say that godwin evans and, and brown are all three of the most talented receivers in the nfl and when you have that combination how are you not playing to your strengths i mean you know and um, Tampa Bay, no Ronald, don't, no Ronald Jones in this one. Fournette is starting, yet he was a healthy scratch last week. So clearly, the Bucks consider this a, a downgrade at running back, um, which makes me think that the Bucks that's another disadvantage for them in this in this one. Connor, what are your thoughts? Ben, it's, it might be a weird weekend because I'm kind of leaning the other way. So with Atlanta, we know Julio's ruled out. And their, their offense is significantly hampered without Julio. Matt Ryan um, absolutely becomes an unstartable fantasy asset if he doesn't have Julio. Really, only Calvin Ridley is the only guy they can play. Todd Gurley is kind of a corpse at this point. So I don't really see Atlanta being able to run the ball at all against Tampa Bay. If anything, Tampa Bay, the only thing they have done consistently is stop the run all season. Um, they've been very variable through the air on defense, and that's where they give up some of their high point totals. Um, but on the ground, I think they'll be safe. And without Julio, I don't know if Atlanta can quite threaten 
um, Tampa Bay's defense as much. Calvin Ridley should have a great game, but otherwise I don't really see the secondary weapons being strong enough outside of not having Julio. So yeah, the Julio um, thing does, does get me worried. Um, You never, you never want to be on Atlanta and, um, and not have Julio Jones on your side, but um, my my hope on the other side too, is Ronald Jones being out. I think that could possibly be a little bit of an addition by subtraction. Now I think Ronald Jones is a very effective runner, but I don't think that needs to be, the story for this team. I don't think they want to be a running team. They just like we talked about, they have these incredible wide receivers. They got Gronkowski and they got have one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And so if you take away their starting running back, I'm hoping they do actually lean a bit on Brady. Atlanta's pass defense is where they're more vulnerable as well. They have a strong defensive line and can get after the quarterback a little bit, but Brady is a quick passer. I think that Godwin should have a nice game. Um, Maybe some screens to AB. And I think that, they will be able to move the ball down the field, especially if they're not running the ball. Um, so I actually lean Tampa Bay and uh, minus X. I see that. I, I can see that happening. I just, I have a hunch here that Tampa Bay is going to be a little bit dysfunctional in this matchup, but we'll see. All right. Next one, San Francisco at Dallas. Uh, the, the Niners, the favor here lane, three points of over under point total of 45. Uh, neither two, neither these two teams really have much to play for in this season at this point. San Francisco is 14th in DVOA. They're one in five straight up in the last six. They lost to Washington football team last week. Dallas, 27th in DVOA, two and six over the last eight. They beat Cincinnati 30 to seven in an unimpressive win last week for Dallas. I mean, not much to say here besides um, a banged up Ezekiel Elliott for Dallas. So not necessarily a good fantasy matchup for, for Ezekiel Elliott for any fantasy owners still in it. Um, actually, I wish Tony Pollard would just get the start here. I mean, I, I in, in the league that I have, I have Ezekiel Elliott in the league, and I have Pollard as his handcuff. And Pollard's looked like the more explosive running back all year. And if he would just get the work that Ezekiel Elliott gets, I feel like he would be more effective at this point in the year. Um, and I, I wish that would, that would be the case, but we'll see. Um, San Francisco has running back, running back problems of their own. Mostert uh, has been questionable all week. I, I haven't seen if he's whether if he's uh, been declared whether or not he's going to play or not. He has the ankle injury that's been hampering him all season long. He missed what, like six games or so earlier in the year because of it. Yeah. He's yeah. been on IR with that, but it, it, um, so the latest news around injury in, uh, it looks like most should play, uh, George Kittle. It looks like is unlikely to play. Um, okay. there was a chance Kittle actually practiced this week a little bit. So some fantasy managers, if they, uh, had been savvy, might have stashed him with hopes. But I think George Kittle might have actually played this week if the 49ers had something to play for. But there's no reason to rush out your star tight end in the season where you're not going to make the playoffs. So, yeah, with the with the motivation here in question, like neither of these two teams seem to be like really playing for heavy for anything specific. Um, I, 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 this, I had this game as a stay away for me. Yeah, I tend to agree. If I do have to take one of these teams, I tend to lean San Francisco. I think Dallas's defense is just so horrible that even with the limited weapons, I think they're worse against the run team. And Raheem Mostert, even Jeff Wilson Jr., I think is is a really good running back. He's he's looked um, good over the past couple of weeks. So I still would probably lean San Francisco minus three, but I, I'm not, I don't feel like I love that game by any means. Yeah. All right. Let's run the next one. Chicago at Minnesota. Minnesota's favored by three points. The over/under point total of forty-seven. Chicago's fifteenth in DVOA. They're one and six straight up over the last seven. They beat Houston thirty-six to seven last week. 
Minnesota's 18th in DVOA, five and two over the last seven. They lost at Tampa Bay, 14 to 26 last week. Um, the last matchup between these two teams, week 10, Minnesota won 19 to 13 um, with a great defensive effort and two Adam Thielen touchdowns. Nick Foles was still the quarterback for the Chicago Bears. Uh, that was the last game that he played this season. And that's the story here of this game for me. No more Nick Foles. Have you seen some of the uh, the improvements for the Bears with Trubisky under center the last three weeks? All the truthers are coming back to life, man. He's here and he's actually looking freaking amazing. Allen Robinson's like a top 10 play. David Montgomery all of a sudden has into a second year breakout, which is shocking because the first half of the season, he looked so untalented. Now he's just ripping off long runs. Like, yeah, I goes hot. And Mitch Trubisky's playing well. I, I almost feel like you can start Mitch Trubisky in DFS this week. He's only 5,500. We'll get to yeah. this later. But I was like, am I actually considering putting this guy in my lineup? It, it's weird, but they are playing well. Chicago looks good. Totally. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how addictive this is, but you mentioned Al Robinson. I mean, have you seen him on Twitter? He's posting a lot of stuff on Twitter and he's like kind of, he's, he got a positive tone about him. And usually, I mean, he, he was showing some disgruntledness and some discontent. For an upcoming free agent. That's yeah. always nice to see, right? Yeah. So it feels like Robinson's in store for a big game in this one. And we, I think, I mean, I don't want to foreshadow too much for DFS, but I, I think at least one of us has, has him in the lineup here. Um, but so Chicago uh, wanted to touch on their offense over the last three uh, over the last three games that they've had with Trubisky back under center. Chicago's three of their best four offensive performance on the season were, have come over the last three weeks, based on expected points added. Um, they, Trubisky retook the job after the week after the week eleven bye. Nick Foles went out with the uh, I think he had a what, collarbone injury or shoulder injury. Mm-hmm. Um, Week 14 was Chicago's best offensive performance of the year. They had a 16.71 expected points added against Houston last week. Week 13 was their second best against Detroit. They had a 12.1 uh, expected points added. And week one was their second, be- their third best against Detroit as well. So I mean, obviously they play well against Detroit. They had 10.67 expected points added. And then week 12 against Green Bay. They got blown out on that one, it felt like, but they had some garbage time work. Um, they came, they came back and made that game a little bit closer than actually ended up being, um, than actually seemed like throughout the game, they, uh, added 6.85 points on offense in that game. Um, for me, I, I like Chicago in this one for all the reasons we're talking about. I like, the, I like Chicago and I like the over 47, the bears offense is improving and seven of Minnesota's last eight games have gone over. So Minnesota's games have been going over. They had the defense has been struggling. Um, I, I like the opportunity here for Chicago to keep the offensive train rolling. Yeah, I like that take there, Benny. I think you're on the right right track. So the the Vikings, um, they're definitely kind of they've had an up and down season. It's been a couple different stretches. They started off really slow. Uh, I think one and five to begin the year, and then they rattle off like four or five straight. But recently, they've had some unconvincing. Um, game. So they, they lost to the Bucks 26-14. And then they only beat the Jags by three. Um, I believe Mike Glenn was qu- their quarterback. So, I mean, if you're only beating a Jags team quarterback, it might have been Jake Luton at that point. But if you're, if you're only beating a, a Jags team that has nothing to play for, that's actively, like, tanking uh, to try and get Trevor Lawrence, and you can only beat him by three in overtime, that doesn't give me too much confidence uh, coming into a matchup against an extremely hot team. So I think you're on the right page for all the reasons you mentioned. I'm, I'm leaning Chicago as well. 
Cool. All right, next matchup, Detroit at Tennessee. Tennessee, the favorite, minus 11. Um, I've, I've seen no line on this one, but it looks like that was just a quarterback question. Chase Daniel, I believe, is the quarterback for Detroit in this one. Stafford is out. Um, the point over under point total, 51 and a half. Detroit, 24th in DVOA, or 2-5 and five over the last seven. They lost to Green Bay 24-31 to last week. Tennessee, they're 13th in DVOA, 4-2 and two over the last six. They beat Jacksonville, like you said, uh, they beat Tennessee beat Jacksonville 31 to 10 last week, or you were talking about Chicago, but I mean, Minnesota, but Chicago the week or Minnesota the week before. Yeah. For the but Chicago Jacksonville gets beat by everybody. So, I mean, that's <laughs> exactly. They get flat 31 to 10. That that goes to my point about Minnesota not being that good even more. Right. Yeah. I mean, this game for Detroit and Tennessee is not one that I really want to be keeping an eye on too much with, without Matt Stafford for Detroit and no Kenny Galladay. I mean, there's not much for that. Detroit has any hope for in this one. Um, I just feel like this is going to be a feasting day for Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, maybe even a little bit of Corey Davis. Tannehill, you could fire up and DFS even. I mean, this is a good matchup for Tennessee um, in all fantasy perspectives here. Um, but really the 11-point total has me worried. Maybe you could tease it down to um, minus five, Tennessee minus five or so. Um, but, I mean, really the, the 11 points is honestly, if I had to lean one way, I would still lean Tennessee. I think I think that they are, their offense has been clicking over the last few weeks. And Detroit – Derek Henry is just a man, dude. Yeah, man, that guy's incredible. And um, really just – I don't see how Detroit has any fighting chance in this. you have any ideas with this? With this yeah, game? I mean, if I told you against Detroit, A.J. Brown went for 150 and a touchdown, and Derrick Henry went for 200 and two touchdowns, would you be surprised by that at all? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, Derrick I mean, Henry has – Allen Robinson, David Montgomery did against them a couple weeks ago. They, they yeah. both went over 100 yards, and Montgomery had like 150 and a touchdown. Like – I could in Derrick Henry and AJ Brown, in my opinion, are just a better version of those two. Maybe I not know. better than Robinson, but I, I love I love Tennessee just to absolutely torch Detroit. The minus eleven is is a large line, but I still like Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee uh, five and zero oh straight up over the last five games against Detroit. So they've been dominating this matchup. Um, they've been also they're four and one straight up over the last five games at home against Detroit. So the uh, the, the the spot here is the Tennessee or or nothing really because you're not going to want to bet on Chase Daniels to to yeah. cover any any sort of point spread really I mean you don't want to be ruined for him with no Kenny Galladay too I mean right. you know, the only thing that they have on offense is is DeAndre Swift is back for Detroit so look out for that for fancy um, Tennessee's defense is pretty lousy so um, DeAndre Swift could have a reasonable reasonably decent day on in fantasy matchups for you. And I like that little uh, mispronunciation. We might have a nickname there now. We have DeAndre, DeAndre Shifty. <laughs> Did I say shift? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. All right, next matchup, Houston at Indianapolis. Indianapolis, the favorite, minus seven. The point over under point total at 51. Houston, 23rd in DVOA. They're three and three over the last six. They lost to Chicago seven to 36 last week. Indianapolis is 10th in DVOA, five and two straight up over the last seven. They beat Vegas in an impressive win, 44 to 27 last week. Indianapolis is fifth in the league this season on offense and yards against and yards after the catch. Um, and that's my handicap here because I think Indianapolis's offense is going to have a field day against Houston this week. This matchup is perfect for them. He, like I said, Houston's allowed, um, 
well, sorry, Indianapolis, like I said, is, is their fifth in, in yards after the catch this season. They're, they have 1,914 yards. They're 79 yards behind the Rams at first place in this, in this category. But on the other hand, Houston's defense is dead last on, defensive, on defense in yards allowed after the catch. They've allowed 1,916 yards after the catch. They're 121 yards more they've allowed 121 yards more than any other team in the NFL. Jacksonville is in second in this category. And look, the Houston's defense has been atrocious over the last few weeks and the loss to Will Fuller, really the loss of Will Fuller late in the season really felt like a gut punch for them. They have nothing to play for at this point in the season. They lost their head coach. I don't, I don't think that they're going to bring back. Um, I think they're really looking for a new GM, a new head coach. And so these guys, there's going to be a lot of turnover in next season. Now everybody knows it. So I just feel like Indianapolis's offense is going to have a field day in this one. They're going to score points. So start all of your Colts in fantasy football this week. The key of this game though, is going to be Houston's offense and whether or not they could, they could keep up with Indianapolis. Because like I said, since the loss of Will Fuller, their offense has sputtered last week against the bears and the last two, last two weeks against these very same Colts. They had it. They had an average of tw- uh, they had very average games on offense since they lost Will Florida. They had twenty points. Um, they have twenty points total over the last two games. Um, they have three three hundred ninety eight yards of total offense. Oh, sorry, against the Colts. This was they had twenty points against the Colts two weeks ago. Three hundred ninety eight yards of offense. They average about twenty two points per game this year. So they've been under. I think they had what seven points last. Yeah, seven points last week. Twenty points the week before that. Their offense is not playing well right now. And uh, last week, last week's last week's game uh, was Houston's worst offensive performance of the season. They had negative point six seven expected points added. They had no Brandon Cooks, so obviously his if he plays this week, that's a little bit of a bonus. But I don't think Brandon Cooks is going to be that big of a point shifter here. Um, it's a big question mark, but I don't think it's it's something significant that's going to make me deter off of Indianapolis. Um, I lean Indianapolis in this one, but. The, the, the seven point spread has me a little wary just because I think he, Deshaun Watson is never someone that you can just count out for a bad game. Houston's offense could play well. They could have, have an unexpected, good, well, they could have an unexpected game where they play um, enough to play well enough to cover the spread at seven points. So that's not an insignificant amount. Um, but they have just so many question marks that I'm never going to bet on Houston at this point in the year. I lean Colts, but also, like I said, be wary of Houston's offense in this one. If, if you like Houston, if you want bet Houston plus seven, bet the over because he, the Colts are, are going to get, they're going to get their points. You know, they're going to score, they're going to score uh, upwards of, you know, 20, 27 points or so in this game, at least. So um, if you like Houston to cover this game, I would, I would bet the over 51. Any thoughts, Connor? I can't take Houston in this. I mean, there, we talked about it like two or three weeks ago, as soon as Will Fuller um, got suspended with PED. We talked about Deshaun Watson's splits and how he's a completely different quarterback and, and this team is a completely different team uh, without Will Fuller. He, he's their deep threat and he's their red zone guy this year. He, I think he was close to double-digit touchdowns before he went down. So this team is not a team I want to bet on. I don't think they can keep up. Jonathan Taylor is coming off his best three-game stretch of the season and especially last week, I think he had a 150, 160 yards, including breaking off like a 60, 70-yarder. Yeah, he's looked really good. He looked incredible and the Houston Texans defense is going to re- give re- a lot of... Re- really rewarding all the fantasy owners that were patient on that guy. You can even wait on T.Y. Hill. Like if you waited on T.Y. Hill and he's exploded over the last three weeks as well. And he typically owns Houston. So this is a matchup that's 
all set uh, for the Colts to win. So I think that we should be fine. They have a good defense. Their offense has been stable enough. They can lean on the running game. So it's not really on the back of Phillip Rivers, who, you know, and, and throughout his career has had a tendency to waver in big situations. But I think they'll be fine here. I agree. I lean Indianapolis. All right, next game, New England at Miami. Two teams very familiar with one another. Miami is the favorite, minus two. To, I've seen this minus two and a half to minus one and a half. It's, it's a range here with this one. 41 and a half over under point total. New England's the, tw- the 20th team in DVOA. They're four and two straight up over the last six. They lost to the Rams three, three to 24 last week. Miami is 11th in DVOA. Five and two over the last seven. They lost to Kansas City 27 to 33. And a tight matchup last week. Miami, I mean... They, uh, they fell behind a decent amount, and then they came back, but they had the lead early on. Like, it was back and forth game. Miami had a had a, a game that they could – it felt like a little bit of an emotional booster for them. Despite the loss, Miami came came away from that game thinking, well, we could play with this team. We could keep we – could, we could stay in it. And so that was a moral victory for Miami. Um, the Dolphins are 5-0 and against the spread in their last five home games. Um, Miami is also eight and one against the spread and just straight up in their last nine games. So Miami kind of rolling into this game, kind of hot, keeping their heads high. New England games have gone under in nine of the last 13 games this year, 19 of their last 30 games dating back to last season have gone under. So the Patriots have gone under also in the last five games in a row. This is my thought here, at least in my pick Miami minus two in the under I'm taking the under on a 41 and a half point total on this one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the average this year is about 48 to 49 points are on the over under point totals. I'm going to go on an under on 41 and a half. And my thoughts here is look, these two teams really know each other so well, and that always bodes well for defense. Like these two, these two teams, they know exactly what they're going to be. They're going to be doing on offense. Like new England's offensive game plan for me is so predictable in this game because New England is 28th in pass DVOA this year on offense, but Miami's defense ranks fifth against the pass. So that matchup is brutal. Do not play Cam Newton. Do not play any New England wide receivers in your fantasy matchups. It's a bad matchup. They're not going to play well. New England's offense, though, this year is ninth in rush in DVOA. So they run the ball reasonably well. The Dolphins are 23rd against the run this year in DVOA. Um, so the Patriots are going to try to run this football. They're going to try to run the ball and they're going to try not to, they're going to try not to turn the ball over and new England will probably have a trick play or two. And they're going to be praying that they get a turnover on defense and, and they kind of swing the game through alternative means because this offense is not going to be able to move the ball well against Miami. And these, like I said, these teams know, know each other so well, the Pats can't throw the Pats also know that Tua can't throw outside. He hasn't been able to throw outside the numbers all season long. He likes to throw the ball in the middle of the field. And uh, this, this pick feels like, I mean, this game feels like the, the point spread should be like Miami minus four, minus four and a half to minus five or so, but it just feels like this is a two point spread out of respect for Bill Belichick and the Patriots. I, I just I, I think that this game, I mean, people think that New England has owned this matchup over the last decade or so. And I, I think that we're going to see a little bit of a turning of the guard. I think Miami is going to win this game. And I honestly wouldn't even be surprised if they blew out the Patriots in this game. I think Miami minus two and under 41 and a half is one of my better bets of the week. I would feel confident more about Miami if they were healthier. I think in a typical week, if they had a healthy Devontae Parker, Miles Gaskin, that's a smash play. Like it, it's a minus six or seven point line, honestly, but they're, they are dinged up and I'm not sure if they can move the ball with Deandre Washington and Lynn Bowden jr. I mean, what's your take on that? I, you, well, it you know, sounds you, like Salvin Ahmed might play. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. That's play then. Okay. If they do have Ahmed, then I do feel a lot more comfortable with Miami. Yeah, he's been um, sidelined for the last three games, but I mean he's questionable rolling to this one. It sounds like he's gonna be a, a game time decision, but if he plays, that's a that's a big boost for them. Yeah, a guy who who can um run but also catch the ball out of the backfield. And he's he's more of a three down back. In the games he has played, I think he had twenty-two for eighty-five and a touchdown, caught a couple passes. So he definitely becomes um a difference maker if they're able to move the ball on the ground. And then um if is Gasicki looking like he's going to play too? I mean, he was huge last week. If they don't have Gasicki, I still don't love it, but I am more comfortable taking Miami if they have Ahmed. Yeah, I think Gasicki's. I don't know. I think he's leaning to not play this game, but he practiced again yesterday. Uh, he's got the shoulder injury, so we'll see what happens there. But, um, but like for your points with Devonte Parker. Um, no Gaskins, uh, a banged up Gasicki. I think that all helps my underpick. I really like confident in this. Uh, yeah. I think this is going to be a low scoring game. 41 and a half is a low over under point total, but I just feel like these defenses are going to, this is going to be a defensive matchup for them. For me, the takeaway is you got to monitor the health of these players going into the game. And if they look all right, then I would feel comfortable putting some money on Miami, but just keep, keep an eye on the injury report. Certainly. All right. Next matchup, Jacksonville at Baltimore, Baltimore, the favorite 13 point favorite here, 47 and a half point total Jacksonville 30th in DVOA lost 12 in a row really tanking this season. It feels like they lost to Tennessee 10 to 31 last week, Baltimore 19th, ninth in DVOA, sorry. And three and four straight up over the last seven. They had two losses to Pittsburgh in that span. They beat Cleveland last week in a crazy, maybe game of the year matchup against Cleveland 47 to 20, 47 to 42 that game was exciting, man. I heard about three Nick Chubb carries away from game of the year territory. <laughs> I know Connor was just on the edge of his seat. This last match, this last uh, fantasy matchup, he needed Chubb for another, like what, two points. Oh, and, and he, Chubb was two points away for the entire fourth quarter. It was all Kareem Hunt at the end of that game. I was dying, dude. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was an exciting, exciting game. Um, I, the takeaway for me, man, just two teams that really um, the offenses were, were playing well last uh, last week, and I just think that a little bit of indicative of both defenses not really finishing the season strong. I mean, I was disappointed in both defensive schemes for both for the for both Baltimore and Cleveland in that one. But um, for me, in, in this game, is I can't pick Baltimore in this thirteen point spread. I can't do it, and it's this is the third straight short week for Baltimore. They've played four games in 18 days. They played dating back four weeks ago, um, Wednesday. Then next week was Tuesday. And then week after that was Monday. And then now Sunday. So they've played six six days rest or five days rest uh, four weeks in a row now. This is going to be. So um, Baltimore coming off, like we said, the game of the year, basically, a lot of people are deeming it. It was a super super emotional, high effort, energy type draining game. We'll call it the close to the game of the year on this show. <laughs> I know the only other game that people are thinking about is that um, was that Kansas City. Um, what game was that? The it was another Monday night game. The um, I can't think of it. I don't know. There was another Kansas City game, I believe, that people were thinking about. But um, that game last week was very high energy, and and it was a, it was. God, it had to be draining for Baltimore, even despite the win. Like they came out with the victory, but they had to they had to be exhausted and banged up after that one. I mean, their backup McSorley got hurt, and and who knows what happened to Lamar? I mean, do you believe that he was he had to go take a shit, or do you think it was just the cramps? <laughs> that run in the locker room was not encouraging for the for the cramps. 
<laughs> yeah, and then he came back like limping, you know. I don't know. But he delivered that pass to send it to OT. And yeah, that, that was sweet. That was yeah. sweet. All right. So Baltimore here. Um, they have no Miles Boinkin, uh, Marquise Brown, both in COVID protocol. Uh, Midshu is back at quarterback for the Jags. The Jags have covered against the spread in their last five games against Baltimore. Six of the last seven uh, games between these two teams have gone under. Baltimore has won six of their last seven games straight up against the Jags. And so if anything, this 13 point total has me leaning the Jaguars, but Baltimore is a team also that has a reputation for really beating up on inferior opponents. And so if they come out um, with enough energy to to dominate this game, they could, they could cover this still. I mean, this is what made I'm staying away in this game. Any thoughts? I'm worried about the health of Baltimore as well as, um, you know, just the energy levels of a team coming off of that many games in that few days. We kind of have a roadmap um, with what the Steelers had to, had to go through recently. And mm-hmm. there definitely is a, is a strong impact on players when they're not able to get the rest they need to heal their bodies. Um, football is an extremely, extremely intense game. And especially coming off of a really high impact game against the Browns, I think this could be a bit of a letdown week. Um, they're not going to be able to move the ball deep downfield without Hollywood or Boykin. And so it's going to be a lot of Andrews and it's going to be a lot of uh, running the ball. Yeah. And um, I give Jaguars offense a little bit of a boost with Minshew back behind quarterback too. I, uh, yeah. I think that Minshew is going to be able to feed the ball to DJ Chark a little bit and they can, they can easily ha- cover a 13 point spread. Yeah. And, and um, it doesn't help that Baltimore's defense has been pretty poor against the run. So James Robinson could be a re- uh, reasonably decent play this week in fantasy. Yeah. Surprisingly. So Baltimore has looked weak against the run lately. Um, yeah. So I think I, if I had to lean, I would take Jacksonville, but otherwise it's a stay away because I think there are too many variables right now that we can't predict. Certainly. All right. Next matchup. There's not, this is a brutal game. I mean, Jets at Rams, uh, this is going to be a blowout. Rams are favored by 17 points, 43 and a half over under point total. New York, they're dead last in DVOA, 32nd, 0 and 13 on the season. We all know it looks like they're on their way to 0 and 16 season, possibly. They lost three, three and two. They got blown out by Seattle last week, three to 40. Um, LA, fifth in DVOA, four and one over their last five since the bye week uh, that they had. They beat New England in a convincing and really impressive win against New England last week, 24 to three. Not really much to say here besides, I mean, smash all your Rams for fantasy purposes. Even the defense, I'm excited. I had the Rams defense facing the Jets in this game. I'm excited for them and what the possibilities hold for the Rams defense and fantasy. Um, But, I mean, there's not much to say here besides, I mean, the Jets suck. And the Rams are one of the hottest teams in the NFL right now. Yeah, it's, it's I, you, how can you handle a 17? Like, I'm not going to bet on a 17-point line, but the Rams should win this game, and they should win it handily. You know, they could, if I had to lean one way, i still lean Rams. I don't think yeah, – it's just – I'm not going to feel good about it. You know? no, totally. 17, I mean, that's a huge wow. point, to, point, uh, point spread. Yeah, but Cam Akers has been playing incredible, so it, I like him to get, like, 20, 25 touches. Yeah. Dude, Aaron Donald, I feel like he's not getting enough. I feel like he's not getting enough 
buzz in the MVP conversation. I mean, he's, he's he not MVP double and triple teams in the year. And yeah. he's still like leading the league in quarterback pressures and quarterback. Yeah, I saw that he's got like, he's got like almost 20 more quarterback pressures than any other defensive player in the league this year. He's been on fire, man. And I'm not saying he's the MVP. He's not, he's, I wouldn't pick him over Mahomes or Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, but I would have him probably fourth behind those three. Honestly, yeah, I mean, I he's had an incredible year. Russell, who's, who's he's been, been struggling up. lately. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, he could be the third. He, I think he should, could possibly be the third ranked MVP and MVP voting this year. Yeah. And it, it, it's always a quarterback, but then you, you get into guys like Dalvin Cook or Derrick Henry, who have just been <laughs> unreal and kind of totally. Yeah, Derrick Henry, especially kind of carrying the team and, and is the team's identity. Yeah. All right, let's run to the next matchup. Philadelphia at Arizona. Arizona, the favorites, laying six points and an over-under point total of uh, 49, uh, 49 points here between these two teams. Philadelphia had a, a big win last week against New Orleans. That was my most shocking game of the week last week. Philadelphia's 25th in DVOA. They're 1-4 since their week nine bye. Like I said, impressive win last week. Jalen Hurts, the new quarterback for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, and I was not expecting that at all. I mean, it... Here's the thing for me in that game, though. Jay, like, why was New Orleans, why did they look surprised that Jalen Hurts and the Eagles were going to run the football? Why were they surprised? Like, it seemed like they had no game plan. They were not, they weren't rushing the quarterback like they were expecting him to run. They were, they were like driving up field, giving him holes and keeping the pocket open and up front. And it, it, I don't know. It made no sense to me. I mean, when you have a running quarterback like that, the defensive line needs to push the pocket back. And they need to keep containment on both edges. And they were, they did none of that. There was none of that. And it felt like New Orleans, that was, I, I, I don't know. My, my thoughts is that it's, it was possibly that, that one game a year where New Orleans just, you just scratch your head and you're like, what the mm-hmm. hell are they doing here? Like, they always seem to have that one game where it's like, you Their know, offense didn't really help them at all holding the ball for very long. Oh, totally. It was very inaccurate. And yeah. so yeah. the defense was on the field a lot um, yeah. more than like to be especially chasing around a frisky quarterback that's going to tire you out and is going to keep you on the field for longer when you're facing yeah, especially when they fell behind early i mean you know yeah. that was really the that was the really the ultimate test for Taysom hill because you, i mean it's easy to play when you have a lead you know and you're, you get five six yard runs here and there yeah and, exactly when you're behind 10 points they were behind 17 points at half or so i believe they, yeah. that's that's not easy to come back from. And so they needed Taysom Hill to play better than he did. And, you know, that cost the Saints the, the win. They came, almost came back and they made the game close 24 to 21. But really Philadelphia seemed like they got the, a big energy boost from Jalen Hurts. One that I wasn't, I wasn't super expecting it. I felt like, I, I feel like they're doing Wentz so dirty in Philadelphia, man. I, I, I just believe in his talent as a quarterback. I think he's a good quarterback, and he's just lost all of his confidence, has no has had no de- uh, offensive line. I mean, Jalen Hurts got really banged up in that game last week. I mean, he got hit. He took some hits, and it, it, it no quarterback in Philadelphia is going to have a long career if they don't fix these offensive line struggles they have. Um, all right, but there's another side of this matchup here. Arizona, <laughs> they're 12th in DVOA. They're two and four straight up over the last six since their week eight bye. They beat the Giants last week, the New York Giants, 26 to seven last week. Um, my thoughts with Arizona is Kyler looked healthier last week. And so I told you 
my brother has a, a friend who works for the Arizona Cardinals. I don't know what he does exactly, but my, apparently my brother had some sort of, I don't know, quote unquote insider information with him. And so <laughs> he was trying to say like he, that Kyler looked great in practice last week, that he had his best practice week that he's had all season basically. And that he looked yeah. like he's back and his shoulder looks healthier. And, and we've kind of seen him progress shortly, sh- uh, sh- like slowly, but surely over the last few weeks that his shoulders getting a little bit healthier. And he ran the ball, I think 13 times last week. That was the big thing for me. Yeah. In fact that- that was a big thing. And I just feel like, you know, this is a tough one for me. Cause I, I feel like I don't know whether or not to believe the Philadelphia turnaround last week, whether or not that was just a one-time deal um, or if Arizona, if Arizona is going to keep the Kyler train rolling, if they're going to be able to, you know, uh, keep, keep uh, the offense machine kind of mm-hmm. playing well. I mean, I believe the Arizona turnaround from their kind of recent struggles more than I believe the Philadelphia turnaround. I think we have a more attributable um, reason why Arizona wasn't performing well. And it was because Kyler literally was injured. It tracks back to the point of that injury, him losing some um, accuracy on the deep ball uh, and a decrease in performance in his running game. And then as soon as that started to go away and we're moving away from that on the timeline, we literally see his performances improve week to week for three straight weeks. I think he's going to be a smash play. And that's why he's in my DFS lineup. And then, you know, Philadelphia, on the other hand, I think it was more um, the circumstances of that game, just completely catching New Orleans by surprise. And also no sense to me with backup quarterback who can't really throw the ball. So they kind of just got out to an earlier lead and were able to maintain. I don't think they're going to be able to do that against the Cardinals. You're not going to be able to stop Kyler the entire game. So especially if he's running, if, if Kyler is running the ball double digit times, I think Arizona minus six is, in, is the easy call. Yeah, I, I I tend to agree with you. I just I'm wary of uh, Philadelphia being for real with that turnaround. I think Jalen Hurts is going to be able to run the ball well against Arizona. Arizona gives up like the fifth most rushing yards, I believe, to opposing quarterbacks this year. There, I think Jalen Hurts is if if so. The the thing is, the Cardinals had a week to prepare for Philadelphia, and they saw what Philadelphia did against the Saints last week, then what they needed for success. So we'll see if. Cliff Kingsbury can get that defense super prepared enough, you know, to, uh, to kind of expect that the, the Eagles to kind of keep the ball ro- rolling. Uh, Miles Sanders had a big game last week as well. So it remains to be seen whether or not this thing is for real with Philadelphia. Like you said, if I, if I have to choose this, this six point total has me really wary, but I, I lean Arizona. I like, I, I like the idea that Kyler's getting healthier and running the ball better and throwing the ball better. Um, but, you know, this is a stay away from me just because I feel like there's too many variables here that I just I'm unsure of. I want to mm-hmm. see more Jalen Hurts before I make any sort of definitive predictions on the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I mean, Jalen Hurts is fun to watch with both of these guys, uh, young um, running quarterbacks who who could uh, put on some fireworks in this game. So uh, definitely one I'm going to tune into to see if we can draw out some more insights and learn a little bit more about Philadelphia as a team, um, especially after last week. Yeah. All right. Next matchup, Kansas City minus three against the New Orleans Saints over under point total of 51 and a half. This is the best game of the week by far. Like we said, this is the only game of the week where the two teams have winning records. This could be a possible Super Bowl matchup. I mean, these two teams playing really well in this season. New Orleans, like I said, though, had a very shocking and disappointing loss last week to the Eagles. But New Orleans ranks first in DVOA still. They lost their last game, like we said. Um, They lost their first game. Uh, since week three against Green Bay last week against Philadelphia. Um, 
And Kansas City, they're third in DVOA. They're undefeated since their week five loss against the Raiders, 8-0 since then. Uh, they beat Miami 33-27 to last week, like we mentioned earlier. So Drew Brees is back in this game. He's going to be coming off the IR um, with the rib injuries. And, you know, I can't – I before the Brees news, I was kind of confident in the Kansas City minus three. But the Brees news does have me a little bit worried whether or not he, how healthy he is, how well he's going to perform. Um, mm-hmm. So that news kind of made me want to stay away from this game. Uh, but if anything, I, I just I, – I feel like Kansas City smells that one seed. Like we said last week, they smell it. You know, it's, in, it's within their reach. As long as they went out, they pretty much – I mean, they, they already have it clinched as long as they just kind of keep, keep the – status quo and, and keep the offensive machine just, I mean, that team is lethal on offense. Harry kill the, the numbers that you see on him with the, the, the deep balls and the, the big plays. I mean, that guy is incredible. And then Travis Kelsey, man, he's going to lead the league in receiving at tight end. Almost. I think he is right now. Yeah. And that'd, be, that'd be the first time ever if he did that. And um, yeah, Kansas city has just a team that I don't see how they, anybody could beat them unless they get something, some, some weird things happen. And yeah, I agree. so, like I said, the Drew Brees thing has me a little bit cautious, uh, but if I have to choose this game, I, I, t- I take Kansas City minus three. Yeah, I'm going to go with Kansas City minus three as well. And they're just an offensive juggernaut with Drew Brees dinged up. And he, in this season, we, he really hasn't shown the ability to throw the deep ball. It's been a lot of dink and dunk, even when he was at quarterback. I don't know if they have enough juice um, to be able to come back if Kansas City gets out to any type of lead. And Kansas City's defense is vastly improved compared to last year. Um, and then you have New Orleans, who couldn't quite figure out the Philadelphia Eagles, who have been a disjointed team. So I think all things are pointing to Kansas City. Agreed. All right. Um, let's roll into the next one. Se- Seattle at Washington. Uh, Seahawks are the favorites lane five, uh, five and a half points. Although has this line adjusted? I'm taking a look to see if this line has adjusted since the declaration that uh, Alex Smith is going to be out for this one. Washington going back to the old trusty Dwayne Haskins. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I can't before we even dive into any specifics with this one, man, I can never take Washington with Dwayne Haskins under quarterback. I mean, I wanted to believe that he was going to be a, a reasonably decent play um this year when he he looked like he was making some improvements early on in the season and then it just it went all downhill from there and seattle they're eighth in dvoa four and four straight up over the last eight games they went one and one against the new york teams over the last two weeks they lost to the giants two weeks ago and then they beat the jets 43 last week washington 16th in dvoa they've won four in a row uh, to leapfrog to the top of the NFC standings. They beat San Francisco 23 to 15 last week. Look, this offense for Washington is even with Alex Smith behind center has been atrocious. The offense had negative 19.42 expected points added last week. They had like, uh, I believe 198 yards total just in one in, in last week's game. Washington won for the first time since 1992 without scoring a touchdown. They didn't score a touchdown last week and they still won. First time they did that since 1992. Washington's offense uh, last they two weeks. Touchdown, right? They had a couple defense now. Yeah, they had a couple defense. Um, they, the Washington on offense over the last two weeks, they're seven for 32 on third down. Um, and like we said, like I said, 193 yards of offense last week. Just not playing well at all on that side of the football. But I mean, really, 
the key of this game is going to be, and it has been for Washington, is their defense. I mean, the defense is going to have to come out big in this game if they're going to stay in it because their offense is going to have a very difficult time keeping up with Seattle's if Seattle comes even close to their 30. Seattle's averaging 30.2 points per game this season. So if they come even close to that, Washington's not going to cover. Um, but, I mean, with Washington, I'm wary of just – they're the hot team right now in the NFL. They have two, four, like four big wins in a row. I think that's the first time they won four in a row since 2016. Uh, the Washington football team seems to really be rallying behind Ron Rivera and his, his battle with cancer and his current positive outlook with that. And um, I mean, they're one of the hottest teams in the league, like I said. And that has me a little bit wary of the Seattle um, five and a half point spread but you know if i have to lean one way i lean seattle because i think that like i said especially with haskins behind quarterback i'm just never going to bet on washington in this game and um i don't know look the look ahead line before the week 14 slate of games seattle was favored by just three and a half points um so their 40 to 3 win against the jets last week gave them a two-point boost in this in this line and um washington's win over san francisco Despite that, they didn't they didn't, you know, give them enough credit where Seattle had a big blowout win where they gave them two more points. And um, so really, it feels like there's no value here in a five and a half to six point line line here. And I, I can't pick Washington knowing that Alex Smith is, is out and Haskins is going to be behind center. So if, if you have to pick, I go Seattle. But, you know, I'm not confident about that just because I think Washington's defense has been so incredible lately. Yeah, I think that's a, a good analysis. Um, one other thing to mention is that uh, Antonio Gibson's going to be out again, and he was a guy who was putting up fantastic numbers as a rookie, mm-hmm. uh, rookie of the year candidate, honestly. Um, and so without him, they're very ineffective using Peyton Barber and J.D. McKissick uh, in the run game. It, it, instead, it's a lot of short passes. And it, if Alex Smith is not playing and Dwayne Haskins is a quarterback, and they don't have their running backs, I don't see how you can have any confidence that Washington will be able to keep it close, regardless of how awesome their defense is, which it is because Chase Young is incredible. Yeah, I think Chase Young might have more touchdowns this game Dude. than Dwayne Haskins. Well, <laughs> yeah, Chase Young is incredible. But, I mean, the whole Washington defense has been incredible. Uh, Sweat hit the quarterback 15 times last week. I mean, yeah. their defense has been awesome. Awesome. And, and that has me worried about Seattle in this one for fantasy purposes. Like I have DK Metcalf in a fantasy matchup. You know, it's not going to, I don't think he's going to have one of his, in, his breakout games. You know, I'm not confident in, in his ability to have a huge, like 20 point total in this for fantasy. But I mean, I, I mean, he's, he's DK Metcalf. So he's still going to get his, you know, his, his right around projected point total, but it's, it, Look, Washington's defense is – we can't say enough about it, man. That team has been incredible on that side of the football. Yeah, I, I tend to lean Seattle if I have to pick, um, but I'm probably not going to bet on this line. I don't feel totally comfortable. Yeah, yeah, we agree on there. This is, there's no value in that. There's no value. Um, next matchup, Cleveland at the New York Giants. The Sunday night football matchup, the Cleveland Browns are the favorites, laying five points to the Giants. Over under point total of 44. Cleveland's 21st in DVOA on the season to four and one straight up over the last five since their week nine bye. They lost to Baltimore, like we said earlier on the podcast, 42 to 47 in a crazy Monday night football last week game. Monday night football game last week. The Giants are 26th in DVOA. DVOA, they're four and one over the last five. 
four and three over seven. Um, they lost to Arizona seven to 26 last week. Worst offense last week was the Giants's worst offensive performance of the season. They had negative 18.89 expected points added last week. What are your thoughts here, Connor? Are you leaning, are you leaning either way or on this one? I feel pretty comfortable taking Cleveland. Yeah. Um, the Giants offense is, is all over the place. They're the 15th out of 16 teams in the NFC in terms of offense. Is Daniel Jones playing in this game? Daniel Jones played last game and he looked horrible. His leg clearly isn't healthy. It's not healthy. And you can see they, they actually had to pull him at the end of the game for Colt McCoy. And obviously Colt McCoy is not going to uh, be throwing the ball all over the place and putting up points. So I think if there is any potential for a blowout, it's on Cleveland's side. You, we saw what they were able to do offensively last week with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, and then Baker has been playing well. Um, he's been managing the game, making smart decisions, not really turning the ball over. So mm-hmm. I think he did have one uh, interception last game that I'm recalling now, but I think that it's going to be pretty easily going to be Cleveland. Uh, one other thing is I think Jason Garrett it also tested oh, positive. Oh, yeah. So they have they have Kitchen. a little revenge game for uh, Freddie Kitchens. Yeah. Or is, is it a revenge game for the Browns trying to beat up <sighs> Freddie Kitchens? That's the thing. So the, yeah. the, the Giants, if you're going to take the Giants, the, the theory is that their defense is going to be able to stifle the Browns but I just don't see that happening with how awesome the Browns have looked recently. I agree. So the recent history of both these two teams suggests that Cleveland should handily win this game. I mean, the, I, the Browns look great on offense last week. And so my thoughts here is look, this game's a stay away from me because I'm, I'm never going to bet on Colt McCoy or, in a, or a hobbled Daniel Jones. And so I'm not, I'm not confident in this, um, but I wanted to lean the Giants in this game because this is a tough spot for the Browns. It's really tough because for the same reasons that I talked about with Baltimore, that was a gut punch of a, well, that was an exhausting game just in general between those two teams last week. And then the loss with Cleveland, that had to be a gut punch reminiscent of, I talked about in previous podcasts, reminiscent of Vegas's loss to Kansas city earlier in the season when they uh, had a big high scoring game, and uh, they lost late on an offensive battle. And Vegas gave it their all in that game. And they played well offensively, trying to beat a, a division rival, just like the Browns were last week. And they came up just barely short. And it really felt like that derailed their entire season. And I'm, I'm worried about that happening to Cleveland after that game to Baltimore last week. They really seemed to push their cards all in, trying to beat their division rival. And by no means, Cleveland's still in a good spot to make the playoffs. But... I don't know this. I like you said. I I, I would bet Cleveland, and, I, and normally, if the circumstances were different, I would I would consider them a good bet. But it's just such a tough spot for them um, that I can't I can't make a good argument for either team because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna want to put my cards in on on a Colt McCoy or Hobble Daniel Jones for the for like I said. But Cleveland's really in a da- in danger of falling flat in this one. They could have a tough they could have a tough game. And this is a stay away from me. I'm, I'm hoping it's a good game, but you know, it's Sunday night football and yeah, I'm not, I'm not encouraged about this outlook of this one. All right. But we don't seem, we don't seem to have a too, too strong an opinion on that one. So let's roll into Monday night football, Pittsburgh at Cincinnati. Pittsburgh's the favorite, obviously 12 and a half point spread over under point total 40.5 Pittsburgh, their fourth in DVOA. They lost two in a row now uh, to Buffalo last week, 15 to 26. 
That was their worst offensive performance of the season. Negative 11.72 expected points added for Pittsburgh last week. Cincinnati of the 31st in DVOA. They've lost five in a row. They lost to Dallas last week, seven to 30. Um, Look, this is not much to say here. I mean, Cincinnati has been brutal on the season. They have no motivation to really play for anything. The divisional matchup, maybe. Um, I think Pittsburgh minus 12 and a half is actually a decent bet because with the two losses in a row, you know they're super, super motivated right now. You probably don't have a more motivated team this week than the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, Even though it's a 12 and a half point spread, I got to lean Steelers because I just think Cincinnati really has nothing to play for. They have nothing really encouraging um, on their sides of the football, like nothing like that pops out at you, you know, and I, right. I, just feel, I feel like if there is a play here, it's, it's gotta be Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh was by far the number one defense before the last two weeks and their schedule just became brutal. This is a team that hasn't had a bye week on the season too. Um, but I, they get a full week of rest now, and, and I, playing Cincinnati almost is a bye week. Um, the thing is, because they did lose the last two games, I don't think this is a possible letdown game or trap game. I think they're going to show up and want to say that, hey, we're still this team that was undefeated all season long before the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, you know, you, it, Dallas, I would love to. It's going to yeah, Pittsburgh. This is a they're they're, they're you're not going to find a more motivated team this week. And so, I mean, honestly, I'm thinking about teasing Pittsburgh down um, to minus six and a half, so they win by a touchdown or more. And then I think I might do Green Bay in a tease as well. I think those two teams, Green Bay minus three. I think that might be the play here um, to cover some of those bigger point spreads. Yeah, I, I feel more comfortable about the Pittsburgh game, um, just because Brandon Allen is not a successful quarterback. There's I have zero confidence. He'll be able to move the ball against Pittsburgh. So I don't think there's any cover potential. Uh, Joe Mixon has been shut down for the season. Gio Bernard is not anything that is going to move this offense himself. He's a decent pass catcher, but he's not going to pick up big chunk yardage. So I don't, I don't, I don't see any way if Pittsburgh's offense is even able to score just a, just thirteen points. <laughs> I think they could cover this line. I agree. All right, let's roll into. Um, sorry, let, that's going to put a before we roll into DFS. Uh, that's going to wrap up our picks here. Um, our, our analysis for the week. The analysis for the week fifteen preview. Um, just to kind of summarize, like I have two best bets in the week. I like Miami minus two. Um, and the under and I, and that one. And I like um, Chicago. I like Chicago plus three against Minnesota and the over in that game over 47. I like those two ones. Those are, I think those are the two that I'm hanging my hats on this week. Um, and I also kind of like Atlanta plus six, honestly, I know you kind of lean Tampa Bay in that one, but I'm, I'm still leaning Atlanta, even though they don't have Julio Jones. I like Atlanta in the over 50, 50 and a half. Yeah. I really like um, a couple of the games you mentioned the Miami game in Chicago for me, Miami, um, it, it comes down to their health. So even if they only get Ahmed back or, or Parker or Gasicki, if they just get one of those guys back, I have enough confidence with them at minus two, but Chicago has just been so hot. And I think that Allen Robinson's going to have another huge game and I'm going to ride Trubisky. I'm going to, you know, I don't, I don't hate it. <laughs> I know, dude. You hate yourself, though, for for, for, for betting on Trubisky. Yeah, but I already hate myself otherwise, so it's all good. 
<laughs> oh my god all right enough joking enough joking let's go into some daily fantasy my guy all right daily fantasy um a good a good week really we're kind of not starting to hit our stride in daily um really be, being able to use more data and just having more games under the belt being able to make some of these uh suggestions and recommendations for players has been helpful i mean we have a lot to work with um and i think that we uh, have some good picks for you this week for daily, but let's Dude, kick it off. Here, if you want, here's a little recap. It's I posted this on our social. We're um, 70% on the season, including the last five games, last five year averaging 143 points. And I'm averaging 151. <laughs> that is scores of 176, 172, and 178. So these are scores that are not just cashing you in, but they're multiplying whatever you were in terms of your entry fee. These are more than double ups. So we're absolutely crushing it for people recently. And I actually feel pretty good about this week's lineups too. Sometimes I, I kind of struggle to put together a lineup. This week I had, I had the most difficulty at quarterback, but we'll we'll get into that. But yeah, just to put a put a cap on that, man, we've been crushing it lately, and I think we're going to continue. Totally. All right, we got we're confident. We're rolling into our week fifteen daily fantasy selections here. I'm going to kick it off. I went with Phil Rivers at quarterback, priced at five point nine thousand dollars. Phil Rivers, here's the play for me. Like I said earlier on the podcast. Indianapolis is fifth in the league in yards after the catch. So Rivers relies heavily on completions and yards after the catch with his receivers. Houston gives up the most yards after the catch in the league by far. And I think this is a good play for Phil Rivers this week. I, I think it's a great value at five and at $5,900. He's priced at the same as like Jalen Hurts, um, a little bit more expensive than Trubisky. And I think, I think Phil Rivers is a good play here this week against Houston Texans. Yeah, it's kind of a weird slate at quarterback, and that's where I had the most difficulty. It's like, all right, do I do I pay up? You don't have Rodgers on the main slate because he's he's a Tuesday game, so you know do, who who do you pay up for? Is the question? Mahomes is seventy nine hundred against New Orleans, which is a difficult matchup, and Lamar is without his offensive weapons, um, and then Russell Wilson's in a bad matchup against Washington. So for me, it was like, all right, the first guy I think I'm willing to pay up for that has game breaking potential that looks healthy is Kyler Murray who comes in at seven K. So that that's who I'm rolling with this week Um, for the same reasons we talked about during the, the main slate of the healthier, he's looking healthier. And I think he runs the ball. If he's running at double digit times, um, he's going to provide a really, really safe floor for your fantasy team. And he has that multiple touchdown upside potential. Certainly. I like the, I like the Kyler Murray play other options at quarterback to consider. um, Even though Lamar Jackson is without, um, I mean, I don't know if I don't know if Marquise Brown and Boykin are actually not playing. I think they were just in COVID protocol. I don't know. I haven't seen the, the news on them yet. But uh, if they do play, I mean, even if they don't play, Mark Andrews has been doing pretty well for him. And Baltimore looked good on offense last week. I think Lamar at seven seven and a half thousand dollars is not much value there. Um, so I, I mean, you could do. You, I mean, obviously he's a good player. And he, he's going to score you some decent fantasy points, but. You know, there's not much value at seven and a half thousand, but I do like Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill, 6.7 thousand for the Tennessee Titans. I think he has a big game for the Tennessee Titans against Detroit. Tom Brady, 6.6 thousand uh, Atlanta's defense. Their secondary has been awful this season. They are allowed. They've allowed the 28th, 28th most points in fantasy 
uh, to opposing quarterbacks. And so Brady could be in store for a good week, kind of like Jared Goff against the New York Jets. I mean, how can you not like any, any quarterback playing the New York Jets? Um, the Jets have given up. Uh, oh, surprise. Oh, so the Jets have given up the 19th most points to opposing quarterbacks in fantasy, but that's just because the running, the running games have been uh, doing so much against the Jets because I mean, they're always getting blown out. So the teams are the opposing offenses are just going to be running the ball, trying to run out the clock. Um, it's not a bad value play. I mean, it's only 6,300. So. Yeah, certainly. And then I don't, I don't hate hurts this week. I like, like I said earlier on the podcast, Arizona gives up a lot of rushing yards to opposing quarterbacks, but you know, it's a very risky play, but he's priced out at 5,900. So that, I mean, that's not the worst value. You're not taking the biggest risk there. Um, Trubisky, like we said, I think that he could be a really good value at five, five and a half thousand dollars. I think Trubisky is a decent play against the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, I, I certainly don't hate a Trubisky Robinson stack by any means. Certainly. All right, let's roll into some running back picks. My running back one on the week, Jonathan Taylor, the rookie running back facing the Houston Texans, Indianapolis. I'm going with a few Colts here in my lineup this week. I think their third offense is going to be scoring I think upwards of 30 points this week, honestly. And the Colts uh, scored, I think, 44 points last week. Jonathan Taylor had a big game. He's really breaking out towards the end of this season. Kind of put has put the fumbling issues behind him, it seems like. I like his opportunity to have another big game here against the Texans. Who'd you go with here in running back one spot? Running back one spot, same guy you have in your running back two spot, Cam Akers. We talked about the matchup against the Jets. They've been just absolutely getting trounced by everybody they play. And I, he, he is coming off of uh, like two or three great games in a row. Now that he's getting a full workload, the Rams have a lot of confidence. They, they've given him up to double digit touches um, or 30 touches in, in games um, between the air and rushes. So he could, he could easily see that type of workload if they get out to an early lead and they decide to ride the run game. So Cam Akers could 29 carries last week, dude. 29 carries was the fourth most or something like that on the season. And, and for a rookie too, I mean, to place that much confidence in him, we know what the Rams running backs are capable of. They're one of the best running teams and they produce, you know, Todd Gurley fantasy superstar. So this week it could be Cam Akers fantasy superstar. Yeah. Yep. I have all the same reasonings. I like Cam Akers in my running back two spot. I think $6,600 is a decent value for him. He could be a running back one of the week. All right. Um, some other values that run. Oh, who's your running back two spot? Yeah. And my running back two spot is Leonard Fournette. So he's one of the guys you would have mentioned in your value plays there. I like Fournette. He's coming in only 4,500 without Ronald. He's the Jones. starter there. Yeah. He's, he'll be the starter. He'll see, he should get a decent workload. Brady still likes to dump off the passes. So in a PBR, he has some value. And if there's going to be a touchdown from the running back, it's most likely going to be Fournette. So for 4,500 with touchdown upside, give me Lenny. It's, you know, I don't feel great about it, but it, it gives me some roster flexibility. Which yeah, 4,500, the uh, cheap, cheap running back too. And he's going to be the starter. I mean, we haven't seen the Bucks willing to give a big role to any of the backups in the Sean McCoy, Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, what was that guy? Barber, I think. They, they have, a, they have a, a few backups and they haven't really given any of them a big role in the season. So um, I, I think Fournette's going to have volume play here this week. He's a volume play and $4,500, like you said, good value. Um, other guys, I mean, the obvious ones, you got Derek Henry, 9,500. He's a beast. Dalvin Cook's an animal. Alvin Kamara, $7,400. I think the, the comeback of Drew Brees will obviously give him a big boost. He, this might be his last week priced out below this, this might be the week to get on Kamara now. Yeah, 
back. Absolutely. His price might jump back up right after, after this week. So $7,400 Kamara could be a good value. Um, David Montgomery, we mentioned him earlier on the podcast, been really having a good finish to the season. Priced out at 7000 DeAndre Swift, he's back this week. I wouldn't necessarily consider him a good play this week just because he hasn't he's been missed. He's missed the last few. And um, the only reason is Tennessee's defense is nothing to be scared of. So DeAndre Swift could be the only weapon they have on offense. And so he might be the one that everything rolls through for Detroit. So $6,400, I don't see a ton of value there but you could uh, have a decent game out of DeAndre. Other guys, J.K. Dobbins, 5,900. He could be a good play this week against Jacksonville. Naheem Hines, 5,400. Another Colt. I think Naheem Hines has a good game against the Houston Texans. And then I mentioned this earlier with Dallas. I mean, dude, Tony Pollard, I think regardless of whether or not Zeke Elliott plays, I feel I have a feeling about Tony Pollard this week. I think he has a good game. I priced out at $5,200. I just feel like with Zeke Elliott banged up, I think they're going to give a bigger role to Tony. And uh, he's just been the more explosive running back for them this season. And I, I think that he's going to be, uh, I, I think he's in store for a good game. I, I like his I like his chances to score a touchdown against San Francisco. Um, other guys, Damian Harris, $5,100. Like I said, New England's going to have to run the ball against Miami. That's their only, that's their only option. Really. They're not going to be able to throw the ball. Well, um, Damian Harris could be in store for another good game this year. And uh, $5,100, just some value to be had there. I think he could have a good game. And then if Salvin Ahmed plays against New England, I think Salvin Ahmed could be a decent value at $4,700. Yeah, and one more guy to look out for is Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake's only 5500 which is pretty shocking considering he's the starting running back and he's actually been productive. And no Chase Edmonds, right? I think he's out. Chase Edmonds is, is unlikely to play. So if you're going to have that, that should boost his, his target share a, a bit on the season too. Um, he, he's had, he had 14 points per game on the season though. And if you look at his last five weeks, we're looking at 14, 16, 24, 14, 16. So if your baseline is 14, that's an awesome value for only 5,500. Um, a guy who definitely has a hundred yards and a touchdown potential. Yeah. You know, I, I, I went with, so to, to foreshadow, I just had a thought here. I went with Jeff Wilson Jr. My flex $5,100. Dallas is the worst rushing defense in the league. This is my thought here. I wanted to pick a, a San Francisco running back because Dallas is so bad against the run, but you said Mostert's expected to play. I don't, you know, I think Jeff Wilson Jr. is going to have a good game still, but I mean, Mostert's cutting away from his carries. I mean, Wilson Jr. did, I think, handle over half the carries or the work with the workload the last couple of weeks or so, or last week. And um, I think he's still going to have a decent game, but he's going to be sharing carries with, a, with a, an effective running back in, in Raheem Mostert. And I, I'm leaning, honestly, kind of switching over to Damian Harris, uh, but one of my other values here. Price out of $5,100. He's listed as questionable, though. So that's what has me a little bit worried. He was limited at practice on both Thursday and Friday. So we'll see what happens there. Right now, I have Jeff Wilson Jr. in my flex. Um, but we'll see what happens on Sunday. I, I think I might consider uh, swapping those two guys out. Um, but let's roll into some wide receiver conversation here. Wide receiver one spot, I went with Allen Robinson with the Chicago Bears. You are, we already mentioned for all the same reasons with Trubisky to have a good game. I think Allen Robinson continues to keep it going. Uh, he's been on fire the last few weeks. He's bona fide wide receiver one in fantasy and priced out at $7,400. I thought that was a decent value for a wide receiver one. Yeah, going in the, in the match against Minnesota is the same reason why I went with him. He's on fire. He's top five in target share and catches. Um, and not far behind in yardage. So 
Allen Robinson should be a smash play. They're going to have a little bit more difficulty um, running the ball to Minnesota. Uh, their, their strength is against the run. So I think they move the ball through the air and what should be a high scoring matchup. Definitely. All right. Wide receiver two spot. Going with T.Y. Hilton, another Indianapolis Colt. There's a theme here with me. I, I love the Colts this week. And, you know, I think it, it's kind of telling me I should have been stronger on my selection with the Colts against Houston minus seven. I think the Colts have a big game on offense in this one. T.Y. Hilton really have a renaissance to the second half of his season. He looked literally like you could just throw him in the dumpster early on in the year, man. He looked terrible. Oh and fantasy owners were dropping him across fantasy leagues. And I don't know. I, the guy had been, a, had been so good for a while. I mean, he's been one of the elite receivers in the league and people just kind of wrote him off now. And he's like, no, no, no. Don't forget about me. You know, I'm still here. Price out of $5,500 this week. He's been a guy that people haven't been on enough. And T.Y. Hilton... $5,500 against the Houston Texans. I like that play. Oh, geez. Um, one thing to note now, just coming out, Michael Thomas is out. Yeah, that happened yesterday. Michael Thomas wow. is out. Yeah. I did not realize that. So, yeah, give me some more confidence on the Chiefs. And definitely get Kamara into your DFS lineup if Michael Thomas is out. With Drew Brees back and Thomas out, it should be the Kamara show all over again. He yeah. is grossly mispriced at 7400 then. Mm-hmm. He has to be the number one value play at running back this week. Possibly. It could be it could be a good tip. I like that. Who'd you have in your wide receiver two spot? Uh, same guy as you, T.Y. Hilton, Renaissance man. So he's coming alive. I love – or actually, based on price, and we'll talk about that. But <laughs> T.Y. Hilton, I love him this week against Houston. He literally uh, – you know, the fantasy footballers, they call him T.Y. Houston – Throughout his career, he just owns this team, and that was what got him going this uh, this season. It was just a game against Houston. He's coming off of uh, multiple games with touchdowns, and I think that streak continues. I think he gets close to 100 yards and a touchdown again. Agreed. Who'd you go with wide receiver three then? Brandon Air Uh So we have Brandon Ayuk for San Francisco, uh, if anybody doesn't understand the nickname there. He is going up in uh, in an awesome matchup against Dallas. Dallas uh, sucks. Their defense is so horrible bad. Horrible defense. And Debo Samuel should be out. George Kittle is out. So if they're going to move the ball all through the air, it's going to be to Ayuk. Ayuk had 16 targets last week. It's going to be a bit chalk because his his price is only, uh, I think, 6,600. Um so, I mean, the, the value is is absolutely there. There's going to be high roster ship. So maybe not the best play in tournaments, but definitely in cash. I just love his his target volume that we're going to see this week in a great matchup. I, I certainly wouldn't knock you there. I think that's a good pick. All right. My, my wide receiver three spot, I tried to go bargain basement here. I got, I got Bowden Jr. for Miami. He had a good game last week. And uh, priced out at just thirty six hundred dollars. Like I'm kind of point chasing here. I'm I'm wary of that. I'm point chasing with a guy that had a kind of a breakout game last week. You know, doesn't always work out. A guy that kind of has one big game out of nowhere. Um, I, the only thing is, my thought here is Devontae Parker is still injured. He's still out, and with a banged up Gasicki, Bowden Jr. might be the guy that Tua has to turn to. You know, so uh, priced out at just thirty six hundred dollars. I thought it was worth the the, the, the dart throw there. Um, at tight end, I went with Mark Andrews with the Baltimore Ravens at tight end priced out at $5,500 on the week. I like his opportunity to be a big play for the Baltimore Ravens. Like we said earlier, the wide receivers for Baltimore are under COVID protocol. At the very least, they got shortened practice time this week. And so Lamar's had Andrews to throw to all week. Um, 
against a really good matchup against Jacksonville. Jacksonville's offense has been decent, but their defense has been awful. So Jacksonville's, you know, they're having high, high point total games. Baltimore had a big game last week. Mark Andrews had a good game last week. I think Mark Andrews has an opportunity to have uh, another one here against Jacksonville. Could yeah, I like all of. I mean, Andrews really should be one of the main options, especially if those guys are out with COVID, being Brown and Boykin. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going with Logan Thomas in a game against Seattle. We think Seattle's going to score the ball a lot against Washington, um, and they're going to have to throw the ball to somebody. Logan Thomas has seen an increasing target share throughout the year, especially the last couple of games, and I think. You know, just a volume player. I think he'll, he'll get a lot of looks um, in a game where we expect Washington to lose. Certainly. Certainly. Um, yeah, Logan Thomas has been a decent play this week. I mean, this year. I think that he, he uh, could be in store for a good finish of the season. So I, I like that pick. Um, we didn't go over. Let's go over the values simultaneously of the wide receivers and the tight ends that we also like besides the ones we have in our lineup. Um, just to kind of kick off, I mean, Calvin Ridley priced out at $8,200 could be a good play as your, as your wide receiver won this week without Julio Jones, Tampa Bay allowing the 26 most points to uh, opposing fantasy wide receivers. Uh, but $8,200 is a pricey wide receiver one. So um, that's why I ended up rolling with Robinson priced out at just $7,400 to try to save some money. Um, I, look, Cooper Cup, tw- uh, price at $7,000. The Jets are obviously a, a terrible defense and uh, Robert Woods has been banged up. He was questionable throughout the week. He's going to play and Robert Woods is still a good play for fantasy purposes, but Cooper Cup might be the guy that Goff turns to a little bit more with Woods being a little bit banged up. I think his opportunity for a good game uh, could be this week as well. Anybody else you kind of want to target with wide receivers? Yeah, there are a couple of guys I like. Uh, I'm looking at A.J. Brown as one of those guys who has just an extremely high ceiling in a, in a super yeah. positive matchup. He's only 7,600. Well, in that same vein, too, Corey Davis. A good right. matchup. Corey Davis might go for the secondary stack with Tannehill. Well, also and, Corey Davis and A.J. Brown are two of – well, A.J. Brown gets doubled a lot, and so that makes Corey Davis get single coverage a lot. And Corey Davis is one of the leading receivers in single coverage yards. So uh, I, I like his value. I mean, A.J. Brown's an elite, an elite receiver, um, but I, I like the value as well with Corey Davis at 5,800. Yeah, Corey Davis only 5,800, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and then another guy uh, who is coming off of two bad weeks in a row, but in a super plus matchup, uh, Logan Thomas's teammate, Terry McLaurin. Um, Terry is always... The thing is, uh, though, you, you want Dwayne Haskins throwing them the ball? I, don't, I, just, I wouldn't want that many Washington te- football team players with Dwayne Haskins under quarterback. I think he, he's just going to get close to 10 targets and Terry McLaurin is one of the best yards after the catch players in the league. So there's going to be a lot of opportunity for him, I think, to get yardage after the catch mm-hmm. uh, in a game where the game script should be positive for throwing the ball for Washington. Not that I would want to trust their offense um, in terms of betting on them. I don't know if they're going to convert to touchdowns per se, or even keep it close, but I think, that they're good could be a lot of garbage time um, yardage that helps boost the value of Thomas and McLaurin. Mm-hmm. Another guy, Antonio Brown. I said this. I said this last week, and I just feel like it's going to hit at some point. It's got to. I think Antonio Brown's got to. He's got to have one big game on the season. He's got to. He's just so so flashy and superstar that he's. There's a big game that's going to come along here here one way or another, and facing Atlanta who gives up the 30th most points to opposing fantasy wide receivers Antonio Brown priced out at $5,400 that could be a decent value for me this week um, if you want to get to some more bargain basement values I think 
Darnell Mooney for the Chicago Bears could be a decent value against Minnesota uh, for the same reasons that we talked about with uh, Allen Robinson. I think that Darnell Mooney could he caught a touchdown last week. I think he could be in store for a decent game again this week. Um, I don't know. It doesn't get much lower than that. I wouldn't really consider many options down here this far on the list. Um, but anybody yeah, speed is sneaky if Boykin and um, Hollywood. True. True. And then I also, the last one I would mention would be uh, the last two would be Michael Pittman Jr. I feel like for another Indianapolis Colt who I think could have a good game. The Colts offense, I'm just all over this week, obviously. And then Russell Gage with no Julio Jones. Gage will probably get upwards of nine, eight to 10 targets or so. Um, he could have a decent game against the Bucks. At tight end, and you know, tight end gets thinner and thinner every week. And I'll continue to say TJ Hawkinson without. Kenny Galladay in the lineup. TJ Hawkinson's the main target, um, but I just wouldn't want to pick him with Chase Daniel behind quarterback. I just don't think Hawkinson is – There's no, I don't think there's enough value here because the quarterback's not talented enough to throw him the ball to justify the third third priciest tight end on the week. Um, it's too bad we don't have Gesicki of uh, uh, clarity yet. He could have been a, a decent play for only 4,800. He, he's the number, I think, tight end four – with Tua uh, as quarterback on the season. Uh, Tua loves to target him. And, you know, with that team dealing with injuries, he could be a play. He's questionable right now. And then the other player I really like um, coming in only at 3,600 is Irv Smith Jr. I was about to say that. With with yeah. Kyle Rudolph unlikely to play, Irv is um, definitely a decent option. Last week, he, we saw his target share increase and he went for four for 63 in a touchdown. Um, so, if if you're only spending thirty six hundred and and you have opportunity to to get around fifteen points from from a guy that sounds like a decent option yeah. for me, um, and that and that supports our over our over pick for that for that game. Travis Kelsey's always a smash play if you can afford it, but eight thousand he's just so expensive. I definitely prefer to go with Andrews. Yeah. I mean, I always try to find a way to put Travis Kelsey into my lineup, but he's just priced out so much more than every other tight end at this point that it's just so hard. It's impossible because you need to sacrifice an RB1, and, and that's just like putting your team at such a big disadvantage. Totally. Um, another guys, other guys that I would consider, I mean, I would consider Gerald Everett for the LA Rams uh, price out of $3,100. That could be a reasonable value. Um, the, the the Jets, for all the reasons that we discussed, they suck. I mean, the, there's going to be some pass yards for the Rams this, this week, and Gerald Everett could be on the receiving end of a touchdown, I think. Yeah, I'm a little worried taking a Rams tight end just because you kind of don't know which one it, it could be between Higby and exactly uh, and Everett. But it's not it's it's worth it in in a couple tournament plays. If you're looking for a, a dart throw to try and go for Everett, Everett. Definitely. All right, who'd you go with in your flex and in, in your daily fantasy lineup this week? In my flex, I, I also went with Jeff Wilson Jr. So. Mm-hmm. Um, we like the matchup against Dallas. We're thinking Mostert's out. It looks like he may play, so we might actually pivot off of this, but I'll, we'll leave it for um, the sake of our, our social and, and, and the podcast. Jeff Wilson um, is a player who, just from watching, doing a little of the eye test, he, he is very frisky, and they, they used equally Mostert and Wilson um, on goal line touches, so they don't seem to have a preference there. So part of the theory was, okay, if they don't have a preference, they're definitely willing to use Wilson at the goal line. So we'll get the carries this game. If most are stinged up, Wilson should probably get more than half of the carries still. And um, so, you know, decent opportunity for a touchdown and, and a lot of touches from a guy who 
Um, in the entire season, his volume hasn't been nearly as much, so he's coming in at a good value at only 5,100. Yeah, I have Jeff Wilson Jr. in my flex as well for those same reasons. I think just Dallas is Dallas is giving up on the season almost. They, they're one of those teams that it's hard to see what, why they would be motivated to finish out the season strong besides the fact that they would be trying to keep their jobs and their NFL players. But, you know, I, I, Jeff Wilson Jr., if Mostert wasn't playing, this is my value of the week, honestly. Um, yeah. But you, with Mostert, uh, seems like he's going to play – um, Wilson Jr. is still a good value at $5,100, but not quite as not quite as good, obviously. All right, let's roll into some uh, defensive matchups. And, you know, what I do with defense, every week I try to pick a defense that the, that is the cheapest that I'm willing to put my – I'm willing to put into my lineup. And, you know, I, did, I honestly didn't see a lot for me on defenses this week. I mean, there's not really anybody that is below 3000 that I'm willing to put into my lineup. Cause I'm, I'm worried that every one of these defenses priced under 3000 could get negative points for me. Um, the, uh, the cheapest one I was willing to go was the Patriots, but in my lineup, I went with the Seattle Seahawks facing the Washington football team. My reason being is Dwayne Haskin be, being behind center. I think that Seattle um, could capitalize on having a backup quarterback for Washington. And so that was my thought. It's a $3,100 price tag. I think that Seattle could be a reasonably decent play on defense. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I like Seattle just based on the matchup. If, if Haskins is the quarterback, that's definitely a great option. I went with San Francisco. Um, they get Dallas, so we like the matchup there as well. Additionally, San Francisco has forced um, a turnover in four straight games, it looks like. Um, and that's it looks like eight turnovers in the past four. So definitely a great potential there for a turnover and possibly a touchdown uh, their defensive performances uh, have all been positive recently as well. So good matchup, possibility for a turnover. That's kind of all you can ask for in terms of a defense. Uh, otherwise, I mean, you, you could pay up all the way for the Rams, but they're 4,500. So that's essentially a flex yeah, player. By far the best defense this week, by far. Yeah, it, it definitely could be worth it. You know, would you be shocked if the Rams put up 20? No. And, and if it they happened. do that, they're going to get their value, but – it's it's so difficult to predict defensive scoring because defensive touchdowns are so very script is so dependent on that too. Absolutely. So, you know, we don't really typically advocate paying up for a defense, but I I wouldn't blame you if you're like, let me try and jam the Rams into a couple lineups as well. Certainly. All right. To summarize, I went with Phil Rivers, Cam Akers, Jonathan Taylor, Allen Robinson, T.Y. Hilton, Lynn Bowden Jr., Mark Andrews, Jeff Wilson Jr., and the Seattle Seahawks. Who'd you go with in your lineup this weekend, Connor? I went with Kyler Murray, Cam Akers, Leonard Fournette, Brandon Ayuk, T.Y. Hilton, Allen Robinson, Logan Thomas, Jeff Wilson, and I went with the San Francisco 49ers DST. Sweet. That's going to wrap it up for our DFS segment. I like it. I think we have some good picks this week. Before we wrap up the podcast, I did want to ask you, did you watch the Mandalorian season finale? No, dude, I haven't caught it yet. Oh, I was my God, up, dude. Uh, up to Maine uh, yesterday, and so usually that's when I catch up on my Netflix and The Mandalorian. So, dude, the, Mandal- the season finale for The Mandalorian, the season finale for The Mandalorian might be my favorite 45 minutes of anything ever Star Wars, ever. 
Holy crap. Yeah, it's, so we actually watched Star Wars last night, um, but one of the old VHS tapes, because we're in like this old lodge. Oh, damn. <laughs> old school. And there's a cassette player. So yeah, we, we caught some Star Wars. So I'm definitely, I'm definitely juicing for the Mandalorian. Dude, dude gotta- it was an amazing finale. You got to watch it. I don't want to spoil it for you, but dude, I'm just telling you, my favorite... Probably my favorite Star Wars anything I've ever seen, at least right, close to. Maybe we'll, we'll since talk about it next podcast. Yeah, we'll we'll do that. I'll save it for you then. All, I right. Pre- All right, man. That's gonna do it here for episode fifty-five of Vicious Talk with Benny P. Connor. Thanks as always for joining me for the podcast, man. Absolutely, man. Thank you for having me, and uh, let's yeah. go enjoy some Saturday football, brother. Yeah. Before we go. Remember to follow all things analysis on social media, Twitter, on all, all of that analysis on Twitter, Instagram, all, all things analysis, Facebook, LinkedIn, subscribe on the website, allthingsanalysis.com. We have some good things brewing for the website. We have some good things coming. Uh, keep an eye out for those. Also, please uh, subscribe, rate, and review Vicious Talk with Benny P on any uh, podcast platforms you listen, you listen to, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud. I think it's on Google Podcasts, One Podcast, or Podcast One. Um, there's a lot going on here, uh, all things analysis and our podcast here, Vicious Talk with Benny P. Thank you all, as well, always for listening. Remember to ask yourself at the end of the day, are you vicious? Yeah.